You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Let's listen to Claire Paparazzo, a top New York wine director, discuss some for go-to winter wines, and her YouTube show, Wine If You Want To. I'm sitting here with Claire Paparazzo. I love that last name. Uh, so Claire uh, was a rising uh, star sommelier in New York City in 2009. Her career 2009. That, that was so long ago. I know. Crazy, right? Ten years. Yeah. Man. Uh, and you still have an, an amazing career in New York City. Uh, you worked uh, in a number of places. But uh, we'll go back just a little bit and then fast forward to your future where you are now and mm-hmm. all the things you're, amazing things you're doing. You worked at Blue Hill. Yes. Yes. That had to be an amazing place to work with. I mean, Dan Barber is one intense chef. So yep. what's that like? I hear you can be kind of difficult to work with, like most geniuses. Yeah, so. yeah. I would say genius is a good way to describe him, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I feel like people that work at Blue Hill are cast. Like, there's a process. You don't just get a job at Blue Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if somehow you've slept, slipped through the cracks, um, you get weeded out very quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it's an honor to have worked there, you know, and I say I'm lucky to have worked there, and people say they're lucky that you, t- you know, t- that they had you. So it's... I mean, you have Blue Hill in the city and also at Stone Barn? Correct. Um, right. So the, the whole my whole time with Blue Hill started at Blue Hill Stone Barns. Oh. And um, Philippe Goose, who I worked with previously, uh, who is one of, I would say, he's definitely one of my mentors mm-hmm. in this industry. Proud to say it. Um, very strict <laughs> upbringing <laughs> by, by Philippe. And I would have it no other way. Wow. When, when you can work handsomely with someone who is a class act there's nothing like that duo you know sure and working at a place like that you're it is a high pressure job and at the same time you have to look like absolutely nothing (laughs) exactly a little bit of the acting career really came into play Mm -hmm. here um but again it it was a different experience than just working at a restaurant opening a restaurant on a farm right it it was a completely different universe. Sure. It's, I've been there. I've had dinner. It's incredible to get a tour of the farm, actually yeah. look at the animals that got yeah. slaughtered and are about to be harvested, as they called it, <laughs> which I just absolutely love. Yeah. Like, they're not being slaughtered. They're yeah. being harvested. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, Dan was responsible for this incredible menu. The, the, the estate, the Rockefeller estate, if you haven't mm-hmm. been there, is just incredibly gorgeous. Um You've read, read his book, The Third Plate. It was one of the best reads I've ever read about the restaurant business and working with an intense chef, and I highly recommend it. It's life-changing. I'll probably cry through it because mm. I, I can relate, you know? Right. There's, a, there's a, great, uh, a great passage where uh, he, Ruth Reichel and a bunch of highly acclaimed critics come in. Bluestone, uh, Bluestone, uh, uh, Stoneborn hasn't been reviewed yet. Mm-hmm. And they come in. He's really excited. And, uh, you know, they, they do the, the chef wants to cook for you. And um, stuff starts coming out of the kitchen. And Dan is very serious. And is great dialogue. It sounds like real dialogue with the waiter saying, like, don't mess this up. Right. Don't joke at the table. Oh, my gosh. Right? And, like, intense. <laughs> 
And I can, yes. In the, one of the final, and I have, I've read the book a couple of years ago, so I'm, I'll miss a little bit here, but um, he sent out tuna. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came, and like any good chef, by the way, if you're listening, every good chef looks at the plates coming back to see if the people oh, enjoy the food, particularly when they're critics. Yeah. So it comes back and nobody touched the tuna. And then I think Dan invites people to come back and hang out in the kitchen, and nobody does. What? And he's really bummed out, and he thinks he's the, the waiter. What did you say? Did you do something? Mm-hmm. No. And then somebody came back, and they said, uh, um, "Dan, really tuna?" And he's like, "No, no, this was like caught locally. It's this, a guy who's you know <laughs> caught in a, I guess a, a line, and you know they were seasonal." And and the critic who was who was with the critics at the table, and they were talking to him. And they said, "Okay, I'm." Do you really want to go with that? Meaning, you know, if I do a little bit of investigation and it turns out that this guy doesn't catch it right off the oh, wow. coast of Long Island, right. wherever he caught yeah. it, it's not local. Um, are you are you going to swear by that? And <laughs> and he was like, no, I I can't because he couldn't really trust it. Right. Uh, so I mean, I mean, that's how intense it is. And um, you know, he, yeah. he talks about uh, finding like uh, the the specific grains or kernel of kernels that were used a hundred years ago ancient grains ancient grains that he is now making bread out of yeah it's it's, um, it's a very intense process but when you strip away the intensity because he's an intense man he's getting to the root of the history and i think that's what's so cool about a lot of what he does is it's coming back to history and he's immersed himself in that and it's made everyone a little more aware of when people are are oh you know oh, they're not using pesticides. That's something new. I'm like, no, that's something old. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Right. It's literally just going back to your ancestors. Sure. Yeah. You know, and growing up in Italian-American family, it's, it's a lot of that for me. You know, a lot of the connectivity of you, um, you put the scraps, you know, you, you compost. I didn't know what composting, I didn't know what they were doing growing up. Sure. They have manure. They have tons and tons of manure, and they're they're putting it in my backyard in New Jersey. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Composting. And my parents, I don't know how did they. It's it's from their family. It's from the background of of putting everything back in the earth. So, right. You know, the food's incredible. Um, I, I love being there. It's beautiful. It is so expensive. So that's the thing. Working there, I was there for the first year and a half. You know, mm-hmm. and prices are, I believe, much different than they were when we first opened but that being said it is an experience and oh it's incredible and you know is it worth the monetary i don't know how much is it a a person now on the tasting menu to be honest i have no idea i haven't i haven't been able to go back since i left um just because it's it is of a certain price point that i I just don't have i think it might be around 200 ahead 225 Mm -hmm. without any wine so you're at 450 before you had any beverages and if you're going there and spending that kind of money on food, you know, it quickly yeah. gets up to, you know, it's 400 a person. So that's my thing. And I know it's Dan wild. has an incredible consciousness about food. Yeah. And uh, we had Bill Telepan on, uh, who's uh, oh, yeah. wellness in the school program. Yeah. And it's about, um, I think there's got to be some kind of medium of finding fantastic, healthy, nutritionally dense food that is affordable. Whoever yeah. figures that out, mm-hmm. they're going to make a billion dollars and, and save the planet and everyone on it. And I mean, I agree. Uh, I, I'm doing this purple carrot vegan delivery three nights a week and mm. it's there's not a lot of waste and why am I doing it? I mean, because actually most of the, the recipes are just delicious mm. right. and you feel better. And, you know, I never thought I'd be that person, but it's, it's easier than just doing takeout and then sure. know what you're cooking. 
I also, also it's just like it's so much harder to cook great vegetables and bring out great flavors. We all know exactly. how great it is for you, but it, you know, the whole bacon joke is you got so old. You know, everything tastes better with bacon. I yeah. just like you know, look, I could take styrofoam cup chop it up toss it with some bacon and you would love it yeah and you would exactly. love me it's so easy it's so basic i agree I mean, you know cooking with vegetables is a lot more creativity but there's also incredible flavors that have never been explored yeah uh, that we're beginning to see and i mean there's places around here in tribeca there's mulberry and vine and it was a joke a couple of years ago people go who's gonna spend 14 dollars and everything's organic and mm-hmm. the same kind of ethos and there's a line around the door to get in there I mean, there's a go. shift in consciousness for food uh, people are very you know, as as my wife says, who's a yogi, um, look, you you pay good money for healthy food, or you pay it in a copay when you have to go to the doctor because you have high blood pressure, or right. you have all these other uh, things that are associated with uh, eating toxic uh, fast food. Yeah, um, you know, you feel better when you eat healthier. Oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. There's just absolutely no uh, doubt about it. Uh, what's your favorite moment at uh, Stone Barn? Oh my gosh, I'm, there's probably too many, but. <laughs> There is one. There is one. There was um, a raccoon that got trapped in the ceiling of my private event space, and it was it was horrible because we were busy as hell, and I'm having parties after parties. And one night, the woman came to me and she said, "Ma'am, can you turn down the animal noises?" And I was like, "Because there's this dying raccoon in the in the rafters," and I'm just like, "You know." It's something we pump in for peace of mind, being on the farm. But like, I'll see what I can do. And wow. then, so I, Look at somehow you hitting the curveball. Somehow we finagled that <laughs> night. The woman was like, "Can you can you turn down the animal noise?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, they're pumped in, man." That's, that's good. Or, or oh you just have people saying, "Pumped in." That's great. Yeah, it was it was a stretch. <laughs> being on the spot. Yeah, that's that's cool. And mm-hmm. so you worked there for a while and. Uh, so let's go to where you currently are working. You're at uh, Dirty French. I um, am. I am. So that is an insanely crazy place. Busy. It um, is. It's in a very awesome hotel, the Ludlow Hotel. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool because it is very boutique. And I've worked in hotels before, but I would say this is just like a really cool space. And the people that work there are great. And the people that come there and stay there in the hotel are they're artists. There's um, a lot of musicians, um, fabulous people that I'm just, I have no idea who they are. I'm just like, I know they want, they want gluten-free toast and they want the avocado toast, you know, gluten-free. Um, I see them and I give them coffee in the morning and I, I say hello when they're passing in the hallway and I, you know, try to make their stay, um, enjoyable. And then I find out it's someone in some band. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I but you no have probably a, a pretty cast of uh, regulars that are celebrities that hang there, I imagine. It's kind of like the old, uh, like Balthazar or the old um, Pastis. Right? Yeah, I would say uh, probably not mm-hmm. regulars. No. no, no, it's it's to my knowledge. We do have some man who's been coming in. Who's, he looks like Gothic Santa. And I, I'm not sure who he is yet, but he wears black nail polish. And I, he's been coming. He's he, I don't know. He lives in the neighborhood. Maybe he's someone. Maybe he's. What does he's, he drink? He doesn't drink uh, oh. anything except ginger ale. He eats oh. the grilled oysters, and he tells me, "Don't give me the French bread because I only have like seven teeth." So we give him soft bread, and he's just fabulous. Mm. He comes in with like. Do you models. call him Gothic Santa? No, not to his face. He he now knows my name. I don't know. It's just like these. 
funny people in the Lower East Side. Like he is, he's made an impression to everyone. Everyone's like, who is he? You know, I'm impressed he's coming in with models. And then I think, yeah. And then I saw him with an, an older woman. I don't know. Maybe that was his wife. I'm not sure. Mrs. Gothclaws? She was not. Uh, no, no, she didn't get the uh, program. But when he's by himself, he's totally rocking. And how's that, how's that going there for you? Do you love working there? I mean, I do. There's a, there's a lot of hats, you know, because mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm pretty much doing daytime, which is another whole thing in this industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love to be doing more wine service at lunch, but it doesn't always entail that. And then it's... It's a lot of just taking care and nurturing of every aspect, you know. So it's kind of something in my wheelhouse from Blue Hill where you just take on ownership and and treat it like as if it's your own, you know. So you've worked at uh, Blue Hill and Dirty French and you've mm-hmm. worked at American Cut and you've mm-hmm. worked at a, a bunch of restaurants and have worked with a lot of the kind of... Uh, uh, the restaurant insiders, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so give, give some give people like... Uh, what's a like a place nobody knows that has an amazing list. It's a fun place that you'd like to go to. Oh, my gosh. You know, back in the day, it was a place in, I think, Astoria or Long Island City called Manducati's. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That place was just, it was fabulous. You know, it was kind of untapped at the time. And I don't go out that often except where I go and I can bring my wine mm. and with no cork in. And where is that? Oh, my You're going to share? Should I? Then everyone's going to be there. <laughs> it's um, I'm so lame, but it's in my neighborhood. It's Speedy Romeo, and oh, they yeah, sure. yeah, they do they do beautiful food. The salads are fantastic. Anything that goes in the um, the oven, you know, everything has this beautiful kind of like you could do a whole branzino, like pizza, yes, of course, and so and is, just it, chill. is Italian your go to comfort food? Um, Paparazzo. Hey, come on. I would big, say big Italian. Family. Yeah, I would say huh? yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I, I, I do. I, it's what I crave, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, tell me some of your favorite Italian places. So, I'll, I'll share one of mine. I was at Frankie's. Uh, they did the wine bar on. Uh, they just redid it, and it's on uh, Liqueur, I think, and Court. Okay. And so I don't know if that's Cobble Hill. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the waiter insisted. He says, "You have to." I said, "Am I missing anything?" Mm-hmm. But here's a go-to uh, for people who love to dine. I'll say is if if I'm missing a dish, just bring it and put it on the table. Particularly when you have a, like a four or five top. Right, that's perfect. And he said the eggplant palm is oh. out of this world, and he was spot on. I wow. mean, it was incredible, like thick, flavorful sauce. The the eggplant was roasted perfectly. Nice. I mean, it was nothing. There wasn't a, just globular cheese, which I can't stand. Yep. I mean, there's just a, uh, and it was you know seven degrees that night so it was like perfect and we were drinking uh burlato barolo mm. uh, and it was just singing sounds magical so homemade pasta so that's my go-to kind of comfort italian you I throw one say, out to people i mean i personally go i go to to frank restaurant okay and i have for years um i remember i'd get you know, a bonus or something, and I'd run over during truffle season and get the plain pasta with the shaved truffles for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I was like, "Yes, I'm yeah. worth it." Yeah. <laughs> and then my buddy used to work there uh, for years, Eamon. So I knew his schedule. It was kind of like a rotation of fabulous people that would go pass it's, by and see it's him. Still there, right? Yeah. It's so Frank's on Second Avenue. Yeah. Second and what? Just so people know. Fourth and Fifth, I believe. Okay. Right. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, a staple. It's not very fancy, but the, they over deliver on the flavor. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a pasta guy. I love uh, Il Buco is one of my favorites. Yeah. Do you have okay? So let's 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 compare notes on this. <laughs> so there are restaurants that I go to 
for specific dishes because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, like if I was going to do a, a, a gastronomy tour of New York, and I do this with my buddy Ross, uh, who's the executive producer of the show, Ross Minichello. Okay, and uh, another Italian. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wish I was Italian. I, you know, coil Irish. What, what do the Irish do? We just boil things to death. <laughs> That's what we do. We drink and we boil food. There's no like Irish cuisine that I just there's not but it that, sticks that to your crave. ribs yeah 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 <laughs> a potato but a potato right no I mean I don't be that bad on it but uh um but I will go to Charlie Bird in a second for the razor clams mm. the razor clams are raw they have their I don't know the acid they do something mm-hmm. with it and there's a little bit of jalapeno and they're served on the razor clam and they will not take it off the menu because it'd be a small revolution with people going in there and it's an amazing place uh, I love that. So that's one of my favorites. That's, now you yeah. throw one at me. We're gonna, gonna we're playing ping pong here. So um, I'm throwing that at you. What do you got for me? Let's let's help the people listening <laughs> find some really great food. I'm not a regular anywhere anymore. Mm. So I'm just gonna try to fast forward in my mind to like amazing moments. And I would say any kind of fish that is um, inspired by um, at Batard. Okay. Um, Batard is, I would say, in my mind, like the place I want to be at all the time. Is that in Tribeca? It is. Okay, so Batard. Marcus Marcus Glocker, and okay. he's he's Austrian. He's fabulous. Any anytime he's <laughs> he has any kind of influence, mm-hmm. it's it's a, a home run for me. And again, it's it's some place that I have I haven't been too many times, but I just dream about it. Hmm. You know, my happy place. Yeah, of uh, me there. the. And long before kale was a thing, mm-hmm. uh, the cavallonero, the black kale salad at El Buco. Mm-hmm. I've um, had it, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Anchovies, lemon, kale. It's just You can't go wrong yeah. with that. I agree. And there's I a agree. lot of kale copycats. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. became hip and everyone does it, but they've been doing it for, I don't know, eight years, nine years? Yeah. So long before. Before it was trendy uh, to trendy eat kale. To care, yeah. I would um, say the veal T-bone at Mineta Tavern. Ooh. And this is something that is super decadent. And again, like I'm more vegetable forward in what I eat, but there'd be times where <laughs> I would just go in and devour this and people were like, I didn't even know you eat, ate meat. I'm <laughs> just like, how can you not eat this? And yeah. then also like you feel bad a little. Mm-hmm. Because you're not supposed to eat veal, right? And then it's yeah. just like this whole like confusion of deliciousness in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. Um, I have a whole other list, but I'm not gonna. I just decided right now that I'm not gonna give away all my secrets. Don't give uh, them all away. You'll have to, Then you be, won't be able to get a table. People are exactly. <laughs> people can go on my website. They can ask, send me an email, uh, and then I can uh, I'll, I'll share it with them that way. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So we're drinking on the job, but John, I got to tell you. It's so unfair. I never get to drink on on the job. <laughs> okay. So when I heard your show concept and the name and because I, I adore you, I'm just like, this is perfect. It's, it's a fun. It's and a now fun it's I'm having my moment. I'm literally drinking on the job. You are and drinking. I'm just on the having job. such a blast. Yeah, we. Uh, it's so funny because Kyle McLaughlin's coming on the show uh, uh, in February. And, uh, he used to come into Blue Hill. Yeah, and yeah, I, fabulous I'm, guy. He has a winery. He has yeah, a winery called yeah. Pursued by Bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, he emailed me back and said, uh, "You know, I just love the name, and I like drinking on the job. So <laughs> I'll see you. Uh, so we're going to do that in February. So that'd be awesome." Speaking of which, we're at the wine segment part of the show. There you are. Thank you for bringing know, it nice up. Nice segue. Yes. Uh, so we are drinking Starling Cabernet from Santa Barbara. Now a lot of people don't mm. know that Santa Barbara has some really great cab. 
Um, so this is uh, uh, the Deerberg family. Starlene is their Bordeaux uh, part of the, the winery where they, uh, they make some Cab and some Sauvignon Blanc, uh, which tastes like Bordeaux Blanc. The Cab is 100% Cab. It's grown at 1,500-foot elevation on this very rocky soils. Um, it's beautifully made. If you know Screaming Eagle, uh, they make a Cab from this area called Honata. Uh, this is equally as good at about a third the price. It's all estate fruit. Uh, these guys are absolutely brilliant, and I picked it because it has the word star in it, and you <laughs> are a star. That's so sweet. And I'm just like, I love drinking things that are not French, not not because I don't like French mm. wine, just because that's what I'm immersed in right mm. now. And I'm sipping this, and it's refreshing. The fruit is beautiful. And I, lo- I was just looking <laughs> for the the alcohol level. Sometimes when you're older, it takes you a little longer to locate where the heck it is. Anyway, it was drinking like it was much um, lower in alcohol, so right. a little more refreshing and just beautiful rolling acidity. So I appreciate the fruit, the balance, and the thought to the name. That is very right. sweet. And I'll thank T. Edward Wine for supplying me with the uh, Cabernet as well. They're the importer. Uh, but the um, the other uh, thing that I, just, uh, I love about this is... Uh, it's got a savoriness and a component to it I love. And speaking of alcohol, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know it, but if you're drinking alcohol at uh, and most California wines and most Southern Rhone wines, so it's just not a California thing, it's anywhere with warm climate, yeah. wines can be 14 to 15.5, sometimes tipping over that. Exactly. And the difference is if you're drinking uh, a bottle of wine and you're drinking something that's 14, 15%, mm-hmm. um, if you had, if you're drinking like a Muscadet or wine that was 12 percent, by the end of the bottle, you've literally drunk the equivalent of having two more glasses of wine. Right. So that's why some people get obsessive, which I, I think, as long as the wine is balanced, I'm okay. Yeah. But um, it's great not to wake up and feel like you had those extra two glasses of wine. Yeah. The alcohol does make a difference. Right? It does. It, it does. Creeps up on you. I personally, mm-hmm. I don't know, but wine at home, my go-to's are. White tends to be, or or sparkling, I mean, mm. champagne. But I personally love uh, Riesling. Mm. I love uh, Chenin Blanc, Gruner Veltliner. But I will say it's mostly Riesling and Chenin Blanc in my, in my life, and okay. sparkling wine from Loire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, perfect. and and sure. just or or so champagne. Do you want to you know? recommend a couple of brands or names that you like so people listening? Because the actual and it makes sense the low alcohol thing. I do. I, I, I'm I'm in the same camp, uh, particularly whites, and I love those are the varietals: Gruner, Riesling, right? Uh, so Francois uh, Pinon uh, Vouvray is something I really like, mm-hmm. and we have an off dry style which I don't I don't mind actually. Right. Um, I like it very much. Uh, what have I been drinking? Even sparkling, um, Peter Lauer sparkling, oh, sparkling Riesling, right. Riesling is sect is fabulous, and um, so it's for me. It's been a gateway wine where my my niece, who mm. I helped raise, who is now mm. of drinking age, right. and I kind of wanted to steer her in the right direction. It was it was Peter Lauer that uh, his Riesling um, and and sect that really kind of made the connection for right. <laughs> for the younger generation, yeah, which we, is hysterical. Yeah, we, we had Riesling on the show a couple of times. I was at Fred Dexheimer, who's an MS. Yes, I know Riesling. Fred. Yeah. And, Fred is uh, fabulous. We talked about why it's great to have a, a low-alcohol wine to start with, or just exactly. or, or with Garrett I was talking. You know, it, a lot of times you start early and you're having a late night. It's If you keep that, that in mind, you, it kind of is, gives you good ballast for the whole night because it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah, um, I mean, and I feel like 
red with food is something that I, I, I love, you know, mm-hmm. but just on its own, I'm not drawn to it, except when it's really cold, like right now, and this is totally perfect. But I like Hilberg Pasquero, their um, Barbera Brachetto Blend uh, Varay, which is um, very interesting. It's kind of like Gewürztraminer meets Nebbiolo. I mean, oh, wow. okay. it's, it's very floral and not very high in alcohol. So again, it's, I tend to like the lower, you know, lower okay. alcohol wines. If you're only going to drink from one country, what country is it? Sorry to put you there. I'm right on. I'm on the edge between France and Italy, you know, okay. uh-huh. because I miss Italian wine. There's so much romance in Italian wine for me. Mm. Um, visiting Luca Carrado at Vietti and Barolo oh, yes, yeah. oh my gosh! Like there's, I feel like there's sense memory with Piedmont, with northern northern Italy, and and just how the cold gets in your bones, and and you're drinking these beautiful Barolos that are aged for years in barrel and it, mm. it warms your soul, you know, and, and grappa actually makes sense in Piedmont when it's cold because sure. it does warm you from the inside. And I understand, um, doing harvest in France and it wasn't, it was, um, Mark. Right. Right. And so it's the same concept and we have a little sip and then you go back in the vineyard and you pick and, yeah. um, Mark is a, it's, it's done like grappa. It's a, it's a, a, a spirit made from the pumice or the already pressed grapes, and right. it's, it's distilled, and it's very strong. If you're not used to it, some people yeah. just straight out call it gasoline. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I an mean, acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. I do love it. I do love it. Myself. But again, in in the cold, when you're you're having to revive yourself, and it's just after lunch, right? And mm-hmm. you, then you go back in the field. Sure. That, that dose of grappa or mark of things yeah, yeah. of this nature actually makes sense. You know where it doesn't make sense, which I never realized for so many years, is at the end of your meal when you've had like consumed two bottles of wine and then all this food and you're like, let's have some grappa. And it's like, that's the worst why, moment. Why, for, is, why is that? Just, because it just puts you over the edge, you yeah, know, oh, yeah. in the middle yeah. of the day. And it's like it, you, your body can understand what that is. But at the end of all that, your body doesn't understand what's going on right. any longer. And so you're just pouring... Pure alcohol, pure alcohol into your system. Yeah, uh, right. And also, if you're if you're drunk, much easier to get yeah. away being drunk in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> than, these are things. Than late wow, night, right? these are things to live by. I mean, <laughs> hey, speaking of which, it is really freezing cold. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a couple of nice reds to recommend for people listening because this uh, occasionally we actually do do a little drill down on some real wine. Yeah. So you mentioned Barolo. I love Barolo. Yeah. Nebbiolo is the grape. Uh, it is does warm your soul. It's not high alcohol. It's uh, it's on the nose. It's tar. It's roses. Yes. It's licorice. It's, it's uh, elegant. And then in, on the it's, it's dry. It's it's one of my favorite wines to drink. In um, that's I was at Frank's last week, and that's where I had the Barolo. There you go. Um, and these uh, Barolos are fantastic. They're not inexpensive, but if you're going to spend spend on a Barolo, and the current vintages are probably out on the market. You yeah, know, thirteen might be out right now. So uh, f- I don't think fourteen's out. So, uh, but you should uh, get you treat yourself and get yourself a Barolo. Have some pasta, and I guarantee you, it, you'll get the whole winter red thing. Exactly. Uh, so I would go Barolo. Next, I would go Southern Rhone for me in the in the cold. Mm-hmm. Chateau Neuf de Pop in particular. There you go. Uh, mostly made up of Grenache and Syrah Mouvet, but uh, there's a number of producers. 
I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, obscure wine that's really hard to find called Reyes. It's yes. 100-year-old <laughs> vines, 100-year-old vines made from Grenache, and it, it is like it's church wine. You'll start singing. It and, is. It is. Um, it's elegance, and you can't break it, but... Uh, the old vine gives it complexity for yeah. sure. Uh, Roger Perrin is another, mm-hmm. absolutely, and is, uh, and those wines are more affordable. Reyes, you can't find, trust me. Yeah. Uh, what's what's Reyes' second label? Um, uh, Pinon. Pinon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a, a little more affordable. Exactly. But if you want to really find something cool, there's a Vacaras producer called Chateau de Tour, T O U R. That is the same kind of clonal material. It's an older vine Grenache. Right, is that Rosenthal? I think it's Neil Rosenthal's importer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is so spicy. Mm -hmm. And I mean spice like like Southern Rhone savory, like uh, thyme and rosemary and uh, just fine herb. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. beautiful wine. And in the wintertime, I love it. I love um, Northern Rhone, too, in this time, like Bernard Mm LeVay. And talk about savory. It is definitely stewed meat and black pepper and you just want to have coffee. a stew with yeah. it yeah. yeah it's fabulous so if um, you're looking in the northern Rhone, you're looking for crow's hermitage you're looking mm-hmm. for saint joseph those are definitely more approachable more approachable and affordable exactly you take it up a notch because yeah. uh, they're all 100 raw mm-hmm. then you go to cornas yeah scorched uh, earth which can show yeah. itself in many ways you yeah. know in its youth it can be big and kind of muscular and right. and age with elegance right. but winter red for sure yeah uh, Co roti, 100% straw, also blended a little bit of Viognier. Yeah. The wine's a little more approachable, but I, I think the Northern Rhone, you're right, that's a kind of unbeatable area yeah. for winter red. Uh, I've been drinking a bunch of those. Uh, Matthew Beret is also one of my favorite Cornas mm-hmm. producers. Um, so, we, so we give some reds. Um, okay, so if you could work with one chef in New York City just pairing wine with food, who would you work with? Oh, Your dream, wow. who would it be? Wow, wow. Oh, and we don't have to take it to New York. If you want to go yeah. to um, L'Arpège, we can go to L'Arpège. Mm, like. I would say Alex Stupak. Oh, so explain who he is. He's Empion. Yeah, he's Empion, but he's previously uh, WD-50. Oh. And he's someone who I would say has inspired me over the years. I think he's fantastic because he can do savory and sweet. Right. But his brain is of another level in in how he approaches flavors right. and textures. And I would even be down to do savory or sweet. Like it right. would it would it would be either. So I didn't know he came out of WD fifty. For people listen, WD fifty was this amazing small restaurant on the Lower East Side. And I'm talking when the Lower East Side was yeah. you would go down there and you would have to fight through crackheads and step over bums <laughs> yes. to get into WD-50. So I live around the corner from there. <laughs> it's much nicer now. Much it is. Much nicer it is. now. Yeah. Uh, but that it's, it was widely defrained, WD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to spend a lot of time there because when I first moved to the neighborhood um, and I was working at Blue Hill as mm. the wine director in Greenwich Village, I was, you know, on my free time, I said, where can I go in my neighborhood for a good glass of wine? Mm-hmm. It was literally only WD-50. Right. And I got to know all those guys um, in the kitchen just because we'd all hang out at the same bars after work. And that's when the Lower East Side was really a different animal. It, it was people, very talented people that worked in restaurants very hard and then came out and, and drank and partied very hard, you mm-hmm. know. And it was great because um, I was coming from the West Village and I wasn't going out to all 
the events with all the other wine directors and psalms. I was right. kind of shying away from that and just being like, I want to be just me, you know? Right. So uh, Restaurant people throw it down. After yeah. work, I'm an ex-restaurant guy. <laughs> Back then we had cash in our pockets because we had cash tips, but yep. you throw it down. You work all night. You want to now go out and like find yeah. the best place. So here's a tip for anyone who travels. Um, if I'm traveling in a different city, Chicago, uh, or another country, I will talk to the bartenders. Exactly. I will talk to the captains. And I don't want the Fedora's guide to like, wait, so what's a great place to eat? I say, I ask them, where do you go when you're off work? Exactly. Where do you drink and where do you eat? Yep. Because restaurant people know where to drink mm-hmm. and they know where to eat. Yep. And it's, I got to tell you, it's not in like, not necessarily under eater or it's not under the food Mm-mm. guides. And it's usually the killer, like baller places to eat and drink late night. Yeah. Because they get off at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And that's where all the fun is. Absolutely. I would say I was in Santa Barbara with my sister and we were kind of tromping through and we did the exact same thing. We went, we asked the bartender and it saved us because we were sit, we were staying in the seediest hotel that I can rem- remember to this date. It was horrible. In Santa Barbara? It was in, really? it was outside. No, it was, okay. it was in a little town, um, on the way to Santa Barbara. Okay. And so we were not in, we were visiting Santa Barbara. Okay. And they told us where to go. And it just like saved our trip because we had to go back to that reality of that one night that we, we decided to, to save money and not, and not go big yeah, on a, on a room. And it was, it was the wrong move. Really? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think if it comes down to like, look, we can have, we can go to a restaurant tonight. We can have truffles and drink Barolo, have right. an amazing meal and stay in a <laughs> shit hotel. Yeah. I'm always going to go, I'll take the shit hotel and take the truffles in the Barolo. I don't know. I'm so, these days, becoming older and wiser in this industry, like, I don't go out at all anymore. Really? And I used to, I used to every single night. And I would, I was just a part of the scene, you know, you and a, I loved it. You had a late it. night party place you used to invite people I to. I used to do a party called Just Right Tuesday Night. Right. Yeah. And then we, we named it Cooks and Coat Check because it was like a common theme that they would hook up. But it was. They it would was, hook up. They would okay. hook up. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it was fabulous. So who hung out there? It was, it was basically the Blue Hill staff right. <laughs> and friends. <laughs> and then I had, because I was such a pest and I was such a party promoter from my past life, which I used to be a club kid. Right. So I was going out to clubs and uh, dancing all night and in this whole scene. So I kind of wanted to make the transition of that life into working in a restaurant and still having fun and, and being with creatives, you know, at the end of the day, um, a lot of the people that work in kitchens, like you don't realize these people are artists, you know, you talk to certain people that is their artistry. So it was a moment to step out of working very, very hard um, days and nights and many hours and just be together in this mm. commonality. That's, we were talking about WD-50. What I think is interesting is that um, those are the days you could, there were neighborhoods in New York that were still rough around the edges. And a, mm-hmm. a really super talented chef like Wiley Dufresne yeah. could uh, step into a bad neighborhood and people from all over would just come to it. Of like the whole field of dreams, build it yes. and they calm. And that food it was, was a special incredible. Time. Yes. I still remember his foie gras dish, which is a liver powdered flat that he mixed with kind of this, uh, bitter chocolate and then had this green herbal kind of sauce around it. Uh, oh, and it had anchovies. And go. that's why I thought, like, who is, like, that is the who weirdest thing in the world. Like chocolate, foie gras, and anchovies uh, with, this, with this herbal kind of uh, little sauce. And it was one of the best things I have ever eaten in my entire life the bitter chocolate with the intense salt from the anchovies and the just the, the creamy texture and liver flavor 
right. gelled like it was you know mind altering it was yeah. like i hit virtual reality right I right like, wow. this is cerebral thinking right. as far as um you know mo- molecular gastronomy mm-hmm. and i i found myself going to wd for proper dinner the whole shebang like sure. every year just like to check in to check in yeah. see what am i missing because right. you you look at things and you perceive them in a certain way and just like with wine right. um you use all your senses and then you bite into it and it's not what it seems at all. And that is fascinating. And I like to be on the edge of my seat. Mm. I like to, you know, I like to get <laughs> messed up a bit. Like yeah. what I think I know and what is actually happening sure. are two different things. See, it's great to have it turned on your, turned your ideas turned on their head. And that's what he would do there. And his dad, Wiley, uh, his dad, uh, Dewey. Dewey, yeah. Was an insane wine geek, mm-hmm. uh, not classically trained, uh, but he was also a chef and a prior um and uh, just the way he paired the food he would just come over and you know hit you on your shoulder this is what you should be drinking with this there was <laughs> and no you would like listen. there was no like it was no psalm he always yeah. wore a denim shirt yeah <laughs> uh sometimes had a beard and mm-hmm. he was probably 55 60 at the time mm-hmm. not a kid and he would tell you what you were drinking and you would just I look at him it. and you're like yeah okay uh sure enough i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll try that it was a different time yeah. and clinton street like definitely is lacking that fabulousness well, you know new york is losing its grit let's be real i mean yeah. who can afford to keep a restaurant open here i mean I the only people can move in are the big stores mm-hmm. the big restaurant groups danny myers groups mm-hmm. uh major I mean, food major food group i mean yeah. they can afford these rents their uh rents are over one million dollars a year for prime location in new york city right and shit locations are, are you know half a million a year mm-hmm. so who's going to be able to take over these spaces I mean, it's not it's the a artist, real, not no, the great struggling no. chef. I'll tell it's you that. definitely not. It's definitely not. So it's it's interesting to me because I I constantly struggle with this because I, I I'm a creative. I'm an artist, you know, and I work. I dabble in both. So you have uh, a show, wine, if you want to. Yeah. The, what is the show? The concept of the show is I came from an acting background of ten years, and then I was a sommelier for ten years, somewhere about that, and I started thinking to myself like. I'm not a producer. I don't do that. But I started dreaming of me getting in the, in the mix of bringing people to the vineyard because mm-hmm. I traveled a lot in my job, my uh, previous job specifically for Blue Hill. I was always traveling, going to wine regions, um, exploring things. And I thought, what you know, I would love to share this with people. Mm-hmm. And I would love to do it in a way that is just me. It's a non-intimidating way to experience what I'm seeing and and share share it in, in an informative way. So I started thinking, and it was just a lot of, in the first stages, just me understanding that I can do this myself. Like, you got this. And kind of checking in and having the courage, I would say. I did have investors, so if I didn't, none of this would have been possible, but people that believed in me and you know mm-hmm. it's it's a very true thing when when you hear lady gaga say you know only one person in the room needs to believe in you and you're good and that is the truth you know i wouldn't have been able to been um given this opportunity if someone didn't believe in me so i'm just very very grateful that this actually could happen and i've only filmed in new york and in france and I'm reaching the fourth episode that I'm producing currently, like literally in the, uh, I don't know, couple, I would say t- by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's something that needs to happen and I'm funding it myself at this point. 
And then a documentary that I filmed in France. That's brave. That's con- courageous to uh, just follow your dream. And what were you doing in France? What was the episode in France on? So it's Being a, a friend of mine okay. that um, lives in the Loire Valley and um, took over his grandfather's estate, um, Le Grand Clary. It's in uh, Touraine, okay. so right near Chinon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story here is it's, it's stunning just to, you know, arrive. <laughs> Once you've arrived, really mm. what, what happens next is is amazing. You're you're in a place that is a I don't know, it's almost like a broke down palace and I, I hate to like say this because it's maybe overused, but used to be run by his grandfather who had a lot of money and had a lot of holding in this town and was making all the wine in a more commercial way. Mm-hmm. And then the father took over um, the grandfather passed away. The father passed away in a matter of months and then Francois, my friend, had to come back and, and look after the vineyard. Um, he was away at jazz school, you know. You, you grow up on this amazing place and sure. then you decide to leave and go study, which, you know, is great. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, when things happen, you come home. And he was upset because his grandfather was using chemicals. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not like a, a normal way of farming, but um, when you're pumping out uh, bottles and you, you just money over quality and money over everything and he looked at that as you know just horrible right and it's not that he didn't love his grandfather but it's so crazy because you see the estate and and half of the estate his grandfather was in and it was like Liberace lived there it was like (laughs) fabulous it was everything was like garments and and dripping with like gold and (laughs) like I've never seen and then where they live is they're total little farmers, right. humble, and I'm just like, where's this? Where's the toilet? Like, where's the real toilet? Yeah, you know. And it was, it's so fascinating for a wine guy, a wine uh, woman person. If you go to Loire Valley, Loire Valley is the artist colony of uh, France. Yeah, for me, for the wine regions, yeah. I mean, it are all like it's like the uh, Brooklyn off the or- gritters. <laughs> yeah, Williamsburg dudes making wine, and it's just a. Uh, uh, there's a there's a couple of um, yeah famed wine shows called Le Dive and uh, Anonyme. That's where I met Francois right. okay. at the Dive. At the Dive, yeah, which is a hipster kind <laughs> of, uh, and it's an amazing like uh, it's in a cave. So like it, when we say cave, like it's a cave, and it, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, with, with all these uh, tunnels that can sometimes hit the center, and so all people tasting wines, and it sounds super cool. But right now it's probably 25 degrees and you're in a cave. Isn't isn't it going on right now? It's going on right now. Yeah. And uh, oh, so I've been a couple see, of years. Yeah. And it's a, it's a super cool. And But you are meeting uh, – I found a producer, Shannon Blanc producer, called uh, Renier that we have. And uh, um, it was one of the best wines I've had from for Shannon Blanc. Blew me away. And I was talking to this gentleman in the website – Mm-hmm. Not a no. lot of details, <laughs> so we went and visited his farm afterwards because I'm like, I'm going to bring this to the U.S. Right. Uh, so it's Domaine Renier. It's a Samur, which is also a town that's mm-hmm. close, and it's Chenin Blanc, and it's unbelievable. But you're talking to them like we don't need a website; we sell everything, and we're such a small because it's it's basically it's a it's a bunch of small farmers uh, who are doing uh, like amazing wines. Yeah, uh, but there's a whole handful of them. The Loire Valley is mm-hmm. just beautiful. It's uh, yeah. It's gorgeous. And it there is. are a lot of 
old chateaus. And yeah. It's gorgeous. You can go summertime. castle hopping yeah. in the Loire yeah. Valley. <laughs> Hot air ballooning through the Loire Valley. Oh, wow. Yeah, my wife did it years oh, ago before gosh. I was in the wine business. It's That's, crazy. I can imagine. It's, um, so but you, it's. So your episode is about the domain and the exactly. kind of resurrection of the domain into yeah. something organic? Yeah. See, this has got to be very cool to watch. This is um, the documentary, which it, we have not yet embarked on editing, but that's what's next. How much footage, raw footage did you shoot? We did uh, four days. Okay. okay. Continuous mo- for the most part. Um, my favorite part about the experience was um, free jazz, as Francois would say. Free jazz. Oh, and so he and a bunch of uh, winemakers from the Loire, right. I guess, are in a band together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all just like come. And, th- and they they... they jam all night and then they just crash and they sleep there for like sometimes days yeah, yeah. this is like a thing uh, i know it's like it's, their it, culture it's it's uh i've i've been a lot of these parties and uh days yeah they just play music and they fall asleep and they get up and they have cheese and they start drinking again it's yeah. a, it's a crazy party free jazz it's, it's free jazz <laughs> people have free jazz and we love it free jazz a lot of a lot of weed smoking yeah um, and so I've actually was there looking at uh, different wineries just to mm-hmm. possibly import. And um, I, I, I couldn't believe sometimes how goddamn gross these fucking calves could be. Yeah. Like this one guy is telling me he knew there's no sulfur, he's all natural. Mm-hmm. He is literally smoking like in the cob with me and I'm like coughing <laughs> and I'm thinking this dude's about to take a dump on the floor. Yeah, you I need to just, clean this stuff. It is so filthy, <laughs> uh, which is kind of kind of crazy. It's like, uh, oh, it's very natural. Yeah, I could see how yeah, natural, natural it is. Yeah, natural, like you've never cleaned it. Yeah, never <laughs> cleaned it. And, and here's a, a unique concept, soap. Yeah. Hot water. Well, that's uh, the other thing. When, I, when I've when i stayed at this place for, for a week, you know, a week or whatever, I'm the only one who's like... I, who wants to get in the shower? I'm going to go. Anyone else? And they're like, no. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I'm like, I guess I never have to worry about anyone taking a shower. <laughs> That's Yeah, there's not a lot of shower. No, no. Or it's like yeah. at random times where. <laughs> Is that a cheese card? Do I smell a cheese card? No, no, no. no not at all. That's uh, my companion's. <laughs> Oh, wonderful! But uh, so it's, this is a great episode. Oh, You've got thank a, so, you so who's going to edit it for you? Is that so? You're stuck financially. Well, no, I I have and I'm working with an editor right now. Okay, Molly, she's great. She's gonna she's going to do the the documentary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm doing it myself financially, so I pay her, and you know it's it's what here's the thing is like I work almost like a you know, a day job, if you will. Mm. And then on the weekends, I work on wine if you want to. And really, that's like what I want to be doing. So mm. it's so crazy because, sure. I, I mean, we, we were talking earlier. I have technology meltdowns. Like, I don't know where my hard drives are. There's there's footage that's missing. Some freak that I hired, like, stole my footage. Like, there's there's all these weird things that have been happening to me. And if I haven't lost focus since, I don't know, 2007... Wow. In the conceptual stages of this, I haven't lost focus, and it's still very real in my like my my blood is boiling because I was searching for footage that I thought I had before this. You know, right. today's my day off, and I'm it's my day to work, and I'm like looking, and I'm so frustrated because I just I need tech support, yeah. tech support, a hundred percent of the time. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find you some tech support. Yeah. We'll, we'll send your yeah. email out, and somebody will <laughs> donate. I bet you somebody would give you tech support if you could help them, maybe. 
of some wine, donate some wine. I could. Maybe some dinners. Who knows? I mean, I, I could definitely cook for you. I cook for my large Italian family on a daily basis, and it's the thing that drives me. Favorite thing to cook? Soups. <laughs> really? Yes. I love, I love cooking soups. It's like layering and layering and building a flavor. And I've gotten to the point where I've got so good that I can do it completely vegan and you have no idea. Why would why do I do this? I don't do it for any other reason, just that I know that I can make it amazing, hmm. you know. And at the end, I'm like, hmm, it's vegan. Is there any like f- tricks to like pump up the stock or the flavors that you definitely? Love to throw I in? use I use red wine with lentils and like oh. a little of um, a little heat, a little sriracha, things like this, like building the flavors and caramelizing. I'm also a freak about leeks. I love leeks in soup. Wow, leeks are great. Yeah, mm-hmm. leeks are so underutilized. And I will say when I do my chicken soup, it's it's more kind of Jewish grandma meets Italian grandma in some way because I do dill, yes. tons of fresh dill, but I do fennel in my mirepoix. And that's something that is different and unique um, to most people, you know. Um, but I love cooking. I uh, I, I got to make <laughs> eggplant parmesan for the staff at Dirty French. I got to wear whites for the wow. first time in my life. And I got to say, it was my favorite day that I've ever worked. So my uh, when I lived in Brooklyn in Cobble Hill years ago, uh, the downstairs guy was Tony Peretta. And uh, I mean, old school Italian. He told me the secret to eggplant parmesan. What? what? Is, besides salting the eggplant to yeah. take out the water, then yep. you give it a quick goes, then you do the egg, the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. you fry, you pat, yeah, and then you fry again. <gasps> he said twice frying the eggplant yeah. makes an all the difference in the world. And I have to tell you, it's true. Oh, I've <laughs> never done that. It's true. But I, yeah. I'm also the believer of sneaking in the grilled eggplant in between a layer of ah. the fried to keep it a little healthier. Ah. But I, I would imagine that. The double fry does a lot. Yeah, Tony Peretta. Yeah. R.I.P. Tony. Thank you for the recipe. Thank you for the recipe. So my uh, good buddy, Ross, again, who's executive producer here, um, when I moved there uh, into uh, Cobble Hill and a bunch of old Italian guys sitting on lawn chairs out (laughs) front. I love it there. And I said, now Tony and I, I seem to get along great with the family. And he says, did you break bread with them yet? I said, what? what? He goes, did you break bread with them yet? I said, no. He goes, man, you're not that close. Oh, no. Because that's the defining wow. moment of friendship, particularly mm. being Italian. Like, mm-hmm. If they invite you to sit at their table and, ha- and break bread with them, you're now <laughs> you're now a friend. There you go. I and remember. It was, it was totally true because it took him about another six Aww. months to invite Gail and I down to have dinner. And then it, then it happened. Uh-huh. And then he told me the secret to his eggplant. See, I remember inviting Dino Tantawi and Bruno DiConcilius back to my apartment to have some of my zucchini parmesan Hmm. which i was experimenting with one time when bruno was in town and that was a moment where like you're putting yourself on the line to have these people come taste your food that like i respect them they're my you know in wine i look up to them so they're winemakers they eat italian food Uh, well bruno bruno yeah of course like he's he is you know the be all end all of italian cuisine like who who am i to so but where is he was, from? And what? He's from Cilento, from okay. Campania, mm-hmm. and he does uh, De Concilius uh, is his wine. Mm-hmm. Um, he does Salim, he does uh, Perella for for Ella Fitzgerald. Salim is Miles spelt backwards for Miles Davis, oh, wow. um, which is sparkling um, Fiano. 
Oh, and Alianico, wow. yeah. And, you, you, uh, and dirty does, French, you can't sell those. No, but Italian, here's French the crazy cream. thing is I have so many friends um, internationally because of working at Blue Hill. So when when I'm limited to just, I haven't made those fabulous friends in France. <laughs> well, <laughs> All my people are in Italy. It's like everyone comes through and they're, or, or Spain, um, Esther Pinwaga, she's in Toledo. Yeah. She's got an amazing brand, Tempranillo and... And I have, you know, it's it's so funny because that's also why Wine If You Want To came about. So I can come and visit these people and show you, like, this is the backbone of really who I am. Sure. The stories and exploring. And, yeah, he has um, the Alianico called Zero, hmm. which is when he first made it. And, you know, he was aging it for, I don't know, three, four years. Alianico, 100%. And... In aging, you lose money, you lose revenue, sure. you know. Right. Um, but when he finally produced his first vintage, um, it, he said, "You know, I have I have nothing." And they're at the Italian wine show, and they had a stand, and it was like not many bottles, not many labels from this producer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, no, no, I just have this. It's nothing. It's nothing." And it was like everything. <laughs> it yeah, was like sure. the beginning of his wow. empire. Oh, that's so cool. I love being humble and having excellence. You know? Alianico, by the way, uh, is a grape. And it produces some amazing, rustic, tannic, yeah. beautiful tarry. Talk about winter reds. Yeah, I, I used to say like dark and tarry like my soul. <laughs> that was like my goth tag. Now tarry. I'm more like goth yeah. mom. <laughs> I'm like, put on your pull-ups. <laughs> goth soccer mom. <laughs> Put on your plastic pleather pull-ups. It's time to go, kids. No. But, well, yeah. <laughs> I want you to get your uh, documentary done. Me too. Uh, so g- give everyone a... Uh, I have. If Wine if it. you want to at gmail.com. Wine is, if you want to at gmail.com. That is also my Instagram. That is um, the name of the show on YouTube, but it's Claire Paparazzo. So it's like the paparazzi with an O. Mm-hmm. on youtube and you can find me there we have three fabulous episodes one more to come and then a documentary which i'm hoping to sell to netflix or amazon or you know sky's the limit you can yes. always dream <laughs> and then if it doesn't happen you'll find it on a website soon <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you i love the gaga quote you just need to have one person believe in you you do so, you really do life, though. it's a relationship thing you're if you're a significant other or a great friend believes in you. Exactly. You're halfway there. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's it's huge in this life. Okay. Well, I want to thank Claire Paparazzo. I want to uh, thank you, John uh, Coyle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we say in Drinking on the Job, I'll see you at the bar. Yes, you will. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. 